0: Like Monica prayed this morning. Um, if if we if we mean what we were worshiping this morning, I can just say amen, and we can go home. We the words we were singing this morning to our God was it was intense. It was you are my rock, you're the only one. You deserve it all. I'll give you my life. And as I was preparing this week, yo yeah, it. We are special people. We are people that can praise and celebrate that we can be here this morning and know someone that's alive. It's not we're not worshiping a dead person. And I just want to, just want to pray, Father. I thank you that what you've placed in my heart that, as I, I share this morning, that. People don't look at me, but they they listen to your word that you've given us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are doing the work this morning. Thank you that you already started to do the work. Thank you, Lord, that I can pray that, Holy Spirit, that you will convict where conviction is needed. Thank you that your word is powerful, and thank you that we as your people, and just be still and know that you are God. So we thank you for this time. And Father, I'm excited for what you're going to bring this morning. Not me, what you are going to bring this morning. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Romans 10:17 reads, So faith comes from hearing, and it's hearing the word of God. It comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And Hebrews eleven one reads, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And all of us have had that moment in our life where it was but God. I want to read Titus 3 just to give us a memory of where we were once in our lives. And this reading, as we go through this, some of you might might have been brought up in a Christian home but never experienced the Holy Spirit in your life. And you might not have a bad life, but just, just go through this and reflect back on the time When you gave your heart to the Lord. It reads, Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. And we hated each other. But, when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, because of his grace, he made us right in his sight. And he has powerful words. He gave us the confidence that we will inherit eternal life. That's beautiful to hear that he has given us the confidence. And I, for one, in the last few weeks, have been challenged with, with the teachings of, I know I'm going to heaven. But I want to also hear when I get to heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that he says, I'm pleased with with the work you've done. I want to say one day when I get to heaven, well done, good and faithful savior (laughs) for for, for keeping out with me. For all those years where I was on the other side. Now, for us to have this confidence, there's a call on our life. The call is now becoming His hands and His feet on earth. But unfortunately, life happens and we get busy. Because of our faith, as we we study and we go back to the first scripture, hearing and hearing the word of God, increasing our faith, Scripture, through the help of the Holy Spirit, help us to correspond differently to life than the world necessarily dictates or encourages us to do. And I want to refer to this as, this is not our final destination. If I wake up in the morning and I see this is my final destination, whatever might come our way tomorrow, I know as sculk, I'll not be able to deal with it. So I have to often remind myself that this is not final. I've given an eternal life. And that is something a pl- a, a, sometimes a place where we have to say, okay, this is not final. It's not going to be forever like this. And if it's going well, awesome. Praise God. But it's not guaranteed. Life here is not guaranteed. So, unfortunately, we, we, we have to read scriptures that challenge us as well. And I'm going to go through to James 1, verse 2 and 4. My brethren and sistren, not just for the men, it's for the ladies as well, count it with all joy... When you fall into various trials, with, with the previous scripture in Titus, Holy Spirit helping us, I'm not sure if anyone here in this room can count it with joy in natural when we fall into various trials. It reads on, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Go back to the first scripture, Romans. Faith increase as we hear and hear the word of God. And this morning I really want to go into word that will help us to increase our faith. And this scripture is one where count it with all joy when you fall into various trials. In verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect, perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. So we can sit here today and, and just say, God, thank you for the promise that I lack nothing. The next scripture is in John sixteen thirty three. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. The previous scripture, joy, be of good cheer, I have overcome. There's the other scripture in John ten which says, God is, God came to give us life and life in abundance. That's an easy one to read and it's it's sometimes skewed because whatever is in abundance not from God cannot bring glory to God. And that's abundance that's skewed. Abundance on earth is not necessarily something that we can celebrate on. Abundance in heaven. Whatever we do here, do we bring abundance in heaven for us? So, I just want to bring a context where we read the scriptures selectively sometimes and we ponder on a scripture and feel, I'm lacking. But we have to look into perspective what God has called us to do here on earth. So I want to go to, just, um, we, we were, I think Joy brought a word on Peter, and this Peter guy, I really feel for him, but how amazing, if we read scripture, how God was gracious and just had so much mercy on him. They were on the water, going into the, into the sea, or I'm not sure whether it was the Sea of Galilee, um, and... Peter was saying, so they were going to, they obviously, Jesus was praying on the, on the hill and they were in the Sea of Galilee, I think. And Peter said, saw Jesus walking on the water while they were facing the wind and the storm and the waves. And was saying, Jesus, if this is you, command me to come to you on the water. And if we read Matthew 14, Jesus said, yes, come. Jesus said, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. And here's verse 30. But when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. But God, moment here, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? If we go to the distraction that that Peter experienced as he was walking on the water, looking at the waves, looking at the wind, he began to sink. And often in life, if we look at our circumstances, not keeping our eyes focused on Jesus and what God can do for us in this circumstance, we sink. But how amazing if we say, Jesus, God help me, He extends the hand right there where we need Him. Why did you doubt me? And if I go back to the first scripture, Peter, faith comes by hearing And hearing the word of God, he was with Jesus and he battled. So, so much more, we as as Christians today that haven't seen Jesus in, in, in the natural, have to spend so much time in the word and be in family so that we can, when we are facing these winds and storms, say, but Jesus, but Jesus, but God. There's a storm, but God. I've um been traveling the last week, and if I travel, I have a bit more time and you can sometimes watch the news in the hotel or wherever and or if you, if you walk into the hotel lobby, you just see these new the, the flashlights of what's going on in the world and I'm not sure about you, but the world is not in a good place. South Africa is not in a good place. We, I, I from, a, from a worldly perspective, is going well. The world can offer you anything. If we look at the new iPhone 18, is probably going to be released soon again. There's just so much more. There's just better and more and more. But for us as Christians, that's not the ultimate. That's not what we strive for. The next ad to tell us we can be better, we can do better, whatever, that's not what, we, what I'm looking for. Maybe in the past, in some days, there's days where I, I want a bit more. But thank God for the scripture telling us, this is, not, this is not the end. This is not the destination. We should not partake in conversations talking negatively about our country or the world. We should be people saying, but God. But God can change this tomorrow. We need a God intervention. Us as believers can pray, we can believe, we can trust and try to walk as God has given us His purpose for us in this world. I want to give you a heads up to what's coming. It's going to get worse. And I have to again go back to Scripture. I want to, not have to. 2 Timothy 3 for you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient in the, to, the, to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love, pleasure rather, and love pleasure rather than love God. They will act religiously, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. Schools are pushing God out of the school. That's depressing. I'd rather pray about it. God, you do that miracle. Some schools, this school, they are praying. Thank God you protect the school. They are firm in your word. This is a Christian school. So this is in, 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 in Timothy 3 to 1 to 5. And this scripture is not necessarily encouraging. So what we're facing and what we're going through at the moment, it feels like the last days. I'm not going to focus on when that day is going to be. I want to be focusing on what my role is. Today, as, as, as a follower of him, uh, if I read this Timothy scripture, it reminds me of when Daniel saw the vision of the end times. At the end of, of Daniel, Daniel 8, Daniel 8 27, after Daniel heard the sort of prophecy of what's happening in the end times, he said, Then I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for several days. Obviously, it was just too much. It was just overwhelming. If you go and read, it was, it was troubling times. So Daniel, he was overcome by it and lay sick for several days. Afterwards, I got up and performed my duties for the king. But I was still greatly troubled by the vision and could not understand it. So I'm sure we sometimes feel exhausted and just overwhelmed if we do read and watch the news, and even maybe at the office, if you are not with believers, where it's just exhausting to see how skewed the world is, and how unfair sometimes things pan out. But we should not be overwhelmed. We should not get exhausted. Now, the feeling of that, that's normal. But the truth is, God has said to us, I have overcome this be of great joy, be of great, be cheerful. And it's not something that comes naturally. We have to work at it. I have to remind you, do not look at your circumstances. Let's trust God in this. Instead of discussing your circumstances for half an hour and praying for one minute. We should not just say, I'm praying for you. Let's pray right there and then for a breakthrough or for God just to bring you that peace that was promised in Scripture earlier because we have a beautiful promise i believe most of us that today here, i want to believe everyone is saved we know where we're going and john 3:16 tells us for this is how god loved the world he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life This is the promise that we wake up to every day. He has given us the promise we will not perish. We will have eternal life. And I do believe this is the first part of salvation where I'm saved. I've got my promise. I think the real walk is to go out. To go and share this that helped you from destruction, from perishing, to help someone else. Isaiah 60 reads, Arise and shine, for our light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness of the people. But the Lord will arise over us, and His glory will be seen upon us. And in any impossible circumstance, there is a but God. Do we, do we respond by saying but God? I want to believe that in trying times, testing, st- testing times, that we can be of joy, have peace, have hope for the better. But if this is what God wants me to go through today, I want to be patient and walk it out, like we've read in James. So he can, so I can be perfect, lacking nothing, and that includes my posture and my 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 character towards how do I deal with those, how do I deal with it in times when it's not so good and not necessarily for my benefit. And here's a, a scripture I want to read this morning. And we, w- we were, was one of the worship songs this morning, just to go into what Jesus did when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm going to read this, but this is really hard to read because Jesus is the one who's, who's endearing this. And I don't know whether I can do this. No, I can't. I won't be able to do this. But with, with him, maybe I can. God, thank you that you've chose Jesus and not, not me to do this. It's, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took people with him when he went to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. And Jesus became anguished and distressed. That was the feeling. He was anguished and distressed, knowing what lies ahead. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. What's beautiful to see is that he didn't do it on his own. He he had people with him. And the same thing with us, not doing this on our own, having people with us. He went on a little further, further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. That was a but moment for Jesus. But God, if there's any chance, please take this away from me. But he said, Your will be done and not mine. Then he turned to his disciples and found them asleep. And sometimes I feel, are we asleep? Are we asleep and alert? He said to them, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. It was not for his benefit. It was for their benefit. So that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And I want to believe that he was already thinking of Peter, what's coming. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done, not mine. When he returned, they were sleeping again. And Jesus went away for a third time. And the third time he said, But God, if there's any chance, but not my will, your will. So, reading the scripture, I'm just trying to imagine myself being Jesus, knowing what's ahead, and how hard it must be to to think that my purpose in life is to die for other people, to die for their sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have 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 you were obedient right until the end to fulfill your role on this earth. So we read in Joshua 1 9 to say, saying, Meditate in my word day and night. So reading the scripture in the past, not preparing for this, it was like God, Jesus went to this and he prayed and and obviously, that was what was part of his, his purpose. And you just read it, but as I was meditating on this, I just want to do more for him. I just want to lay more stuff down to say, Jesus, take more stuff away that's for self. I want to serve you, I want to serve you the way you have fulfilled your role here for us. Jesus said three times no. Please, God, reconsider this, but your will be done and not mine. If I can maybe summarize like this, he wanted what God wants him to do. More than he wanted what he wanted to do. And that's sometimes a, a check for all of us say, Do we really want for our lives what God wants for our lives? And not thinking of the selfish side of life, but how we can be of service, the hand and feet to Him. On a read James 1, so just listening to God's word, um, in terms of calling for obedience, if you want to now take Jesus example and also be obedient here on earth it's don't just listen to God's word we must also do what it says otherwise we are only fooling ourselves and it's a hard it's a hard scripture do what the word says and I truly believe it's only possible to do what the word says if we do it as a family and not skulk trying to do it on my own, because it's sometimes really difficult to do what God tells us to do. I want to give an example of Jesus' love for us, unconditional, and He expects us also to love those people that's really hard to love, to love those people that that have hurt us in the past and possibly mistreated you. I don't think the default in today's life is where we go back and reconcile. It's rather avoid, cut them out of your life because you're either fearful of you might have more hurt in your life or I don't have the time to even play the reconciliation game. But Jesus is saying, even for those people that you don't feel like loving, I love them. Peter, after doing what he did, yes, I'm ready. I'm catching you. And what we have to know is that Jesus is in heaven. He's alive. We potentially are the only people that they, we are the, we are the only people that people can experience Jesus through. Are we also like Jesus when there's help needed? To throw out there and say, we can help. To extend God's love to people. He's expecting us to do that. It's, it's, we've also, this morning, one of the songs, where I gave my life to you, I commit, I want to serve you. But there is, unfortunately, a price that we have to pay. And that that thing comes sometimes at, at a cost. And sometimes, or often, not easy or comfortable. I want us to, to know that it's it's not an option, but God is really asking us to do the way He did, the way He did life here on earth, and He's giving us the example of going through these emotions. He had anguish. He had distress. He didn't want to do what God has planned for him, so it's not always easy. There's a there's a um, example where if you go to a doctor doctor with an injury, um, there's usually a, a process of rehab. But research has shown that most people can recover from injuries, but most people don't. Because of the pain of recovery. It, it, it takes something to recover. And if we apply that spiritually, if there's hurt in your life, either by a previous church, a church leader, a family member, father, dad, brother or sister, even close friends, friends, school teacher, there has been someone that has uh, caused real hurt in your life. It, it, it's not a maybe because the previous scripture in Titus share with us, this will happen in the end times. Have we dealt with that hurt the way Jesus would have dealt with that hurt? And I think a good example to use this morning is let's look at the but God' attitude Joseph displayed and what he did towards his own brothers that wanted to take him out. We read uh, the story about Joseph, how his brothers, being the youngest, he was his dad's favorite son, um, how they got jealous and they first threw him in a pit. Then they sold him, and they even devised a plan to convince their father of his death. In a miraculous way, Joseph becomes second in command to Pharaoh, and God used him to save many people from salvation during a seven-year famine. And after all these terrible things that his brothers had done to him, he was willing to forgive. He was willing to deal with the pain of recovery because he knew the call that God had on his life. I'll read the scripture, from Genesis 50:20. It reads, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, many people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. By reading this, it gives me, it helps me. If anything in my life where I feel it's so unfair and there's no chance of of any good outcome, if God can do it for Joseph, he can do it for me. He can do it for you. Do you believe the God of Joseph? I believe the God of Joseph. And we can look at David, we can look at Noah all these examples in the Bible that has shown us what they had to go through to eventually see God, God's way in an impossible situation. So do we believe the scripture that says nothing is impossible with God? Nothing is impossible. If God is for me, no one can be against me. And I often say in business that we have, an unfair advantage because we know God. We have an unfair advantage to people, to other businesses. So we refer to a USP, unique selling point. My business, because we are a god serving company, we, have, we believe god is, god is in control. We have, we have favor. We have, we have breakthroughs like how did this happen? It's God. But God and I've shared recently in, in church where there was an impossible situation last year, and we did nothing wrong. But God, three, four months later, it turned to how did this happen? We had, there was no human intervention but God. So if you go through challenges or just testing times, we have to agree this morning that not agree we have this resource called God, and I think he wants to help us he wants to break free whatever bondage we have in our life, whatever stuff that we have that's keeping us from doing what he has called us to do so I really say in my life it's it's one thing to be blessed, but I've seen scriptures he wants us to be not necessarily a reservoir where we are just the one being blessed. It's blessed to be a blessing to other people. I see him wanting us to be a river and not a reservoir. Where he just flows through us. Use us as people to share that there is hope. This, this impossible is possible with God. So what's really hard is dealing with, with, the, the pain of recovery is if we don't deal with it, we stay in bondage. And what's worse is, is if we stay in bondage, we are not moving forward. We're stuck. God can use anyone. He can use any one of us. But He want to use the stuff that you went through as a testimony to other people. He's using people to reach other people in this world. So whatever you go through, I can count with all joy because there is going to be an outcome. It's not if it's going to come, it's when it's going to come. And I can be cheerful and count with joy because God is with me. And God's going to teach me something that I can carry for the life of me as a testimony to help other people. And in business... It's great to see at the end of the year that then if there's a profit the bottom line. But the profit is there and it's like, great, now I can distribute it or save it. And that, that's the end of it. And then you start the next day and it's another year or another month. But the beautiful thing is, if you can reach people, if you can help people and say, because of God in my life, I, I'm helping you today. That is better than a profit margin. That's better than a, ROI of 50%. That is something that I've learned in my business over years. It's great to become, be the first in the country, all those things. It's, it's only temporally. It's only just for that moment. When you step back in real life, it's, it's empty. But this promise we have, Jesus saying, I will take you out of destruction I'll take you to eternal life. I think. I think no. We, what we worship this morning, God, I want to revisit today what's going on in my heart. And am I have, do I have the same approach and commitment to what you've had for me? My sister recently shared with me, and she said, "I think I might be ready soon." to help other ladies or women that, had to, that had to have to endure so much pain with she was in a bad marriage, She was, it was a long journey, and she said to me a few months back, I think I'm ready to help other people that's going through the same. It took up nearly two years before she can utter those words, say, maybe I can help other people. It was two years of why, 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 why. Maybe sometimes angry at God. But when she said that to me, there were times where I was going to give up on my sister. I said to her her face, Elmery, if you are not going to listen to me, I'm going to withdraw and cut myself from your life. That was my words. Thank God that I didn't do that. Reading the scripture this morning, Even when Peter walked on the water and he was looking at the the stuff and he said, Jesus, please help. And he said, I'll I'll help you again. Thank goodness that I didn't do that, make the decision to say, Sister, you must not just be to your own destruction. Understanding what she's going through with the divorce today, I can help someone else better. But I was maybe the wrong person to help her through this divorce because I've never been through one. If you've been through a divorce you could potentially help someone else to either prevent that or how to work through it. The the question we often ask is, why is it so difficult to get well after we've been hurt? And I want to use this sort of analogy of doorways where in life we go through the doorway of you are angry at the previous church or church leaders or just the people of that church, or you had an absent father or no father or mother. Potentially your brothers have turned their back against you and you were supposed to inherit the business family, the family business. Or there is substance abuse because you had no other choice. You had to, just had to use that because you had to cope in some other way. Or there's rejection. You just feel completely rejected because of whatever reason. There could be shame because of whatever reason. And all these doorways that that have occurred over over years, or single or a few, if if we continue with life and just walk and not deal with these giants, deal with these mountains, we're kept in bondage. And at some point will manifest. We have to deal with this. We have to deal with unforgiveness. We have to deal with the sin of substance abuse. We have to deal with rejection. And how? If your father or mother have rejected you, how do you forgive? How do you believe God loves you if your own father doesn't even love you? Or mother? How do you do that? There's no real way to say there's a the recipe to do that. Only God can do that in your life. It's again the "but God" situation. Do we believe? But God is alive. And this morning, I want to to ask the court just to the invite. There's been a few invitations this morning to say, "Let's deal with this." And it's maybe awkward for you to. I don't want to deal with this. But if you want to truly move forward in life and not sit with a baggage of stuff, what doorway are you keeping open and not allowing Jesus to heal in your heart? Because it sits there. Your heart has become hard. So God is saying... I'm the one that can remove any of that for you.